Hey everybody, it's Saturday, February 18th, 2012, and you are listening to episode 30 of the Non-Sequitur Podcast. The podcast is as old as you, Officially kind of. old. We are the big 3 Kelly, I, and the podcast are now officially old. Actually, it was determined last night that I am 19. Wait, how did this come to be? I was drinking too much, partying too hard. Yeah, yeah, acting like a nineteen-year-old. Yeah, they're like, you're not, tw- you're not thirty. You're, you're nineteen. I was like, okay. I is that a compliment or were you offended? I'm good with it. You're good with that. All right, we should I would introduce. Be terribly our- offended if someone thought I was nineteen. I love it that for once I was ready to introduce everybody, and then we just started talking. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> All right, to my left. Oh yeah, I'm Kelly. My name is Kyle. Melissa. Amy. And I'm Luke. All right, so Kyle's obviously the weird one here. He's the wow. first He's the first time guest. I wasn't the guy that just said, by partying, I go backwards but you were in like, time. And then you were like, my name is Kyle. Agreed. All Agreed. Right, I'm so, trying to figure out how to talk on this thing. All right, Kyle, you're going to be in for quite a treat. We're actually going to let you draw a card first. All right, I'm going to do a yellow one, which, what is that, Melissa? Uh, well, uh, Luke assigned us all yellow ones this week, so there seem to be no personal topics. I think because we were pushing the podcast forward three days, people didn't have time to to come up with one. So they they are tangentially science related. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. Should be good. All right. Here we go. Okay. Guided bullets. Yes. So I don't know if you guys caught this news story in the last week, but one of the research firms that work with the U.S. government has made guided 50 caliber. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Is this like the the gun on Fifth Element where he was like, the tracer round, and then every subsequent bullet goes straight to the same location? Actually, it is. And that's an amazing Gary Oldman impersonation. (laughs) So it's like the bullseye in Resistance? It's also like the bullseye in Resistance. There's not quite as much uh, variability in its, its positioning, but it can put uh, a bullet on a target a mile away within eight inches. Okay, science man, explain mm-hmm. how this works. Because you don't shoot the gun and then pick up a remote control and guide it. What so, is it how does it go to the spot this it is, to? This is its first prototype unveiling, and it's a little bit of an unusable weapon at this point because you have to have two men. You have to have one guy essentially what? lasing a target. So one guy has a laser trained on the forehead of the bad guy. Like a sniper team. Essentially. So okay. he, his job is to hold the laser dead-centered. <laughs> And then the other guy just fires a bullet roughly in that area. There is an optic uh, core at the front of the bullet, and it hones in on the laser sight, and then it has fins at the tail that it controls with a microprocessor (laughs) and aims it right at the dot on the dude's head. Wow. So the challenge is going to be— What if the guy moves? Then the guy with the laser has to keep moving. Because I mean, I'm thinking if I saw a laser on me, like the first thing I would do is like juke out of the way. Juke. She said juke. I love it. I like it. So (laughs) don't think of colored lasers. Think of infrared lasers. So uh, like the remote control that we use for the TVs, that's infrared. So it would be something like that. And that's a laser? Well, so you make a laser that shoots in that spectrum so people can't see it. Um, But yeah, so so basically you have to have a a trained sniper aiming a laser at a dude that he can't see that he can't see so he doesn't know if his laser is actually pointing okay right so he maybe has like ir goggles that he can use to sight. i would imagine he'd have i mean there'd be a i'm just trying to think through the logistics here i mean it's kind of a logistical nightmare and that's what i said it's a prototype we don't know when it'll be available how much it'll cost we're showing everybody your card scopes (laughs) um but they're hoping to get it down to maybe like five dollars a bullet um so you know, 50 caliber bullets, you don't use them very often. They're not normal infantry rounds. This so you could be... go pick up a laser bullet at like Cabela's in a couple of years then? Possibly, possibly. Now I don't, what know. They need I don't to do... think you can use a 50 cal for deer As hunting. If deer didn't <laughs> have <laughs> yeah, a 50 cal would decimate your deer. A little large. Because, I mean, you'd get no meat out of it. And if you got a headshot, <laughs> it would totally ruin the... 
I guess uh, it's just yeah, for boosting rack. your self-esteem. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to <laughs> taxidermy no a 50 cal deer headshot. Oh my um, God. Just saying. I mean, like dinosaurs, maybe a 50 cal would make sense, but... <laughs> oh. I would see... Well, so if I was ever like stuck in Canada, which we all know is never going to happen again, but if I was ever stuck up there, I would like it for like bear attacks. Because you don't want to mount a bear head. That's just awkward. So 50 caliber. So people totally do it. Weird people do. You'd want that. Like, Weird people I mean, mount if you're any stuck, kind of animal head. I do not want stuffed animal <laughs> By default, if you're taxiderming a head, you're but, weird. But I mean, if you're, if you're stuck in Canada, you're probably pretty cold, right? So you're going to want that fur. Yeah, but I don't yeah. care if there's a huge hole in the side of it. You might. You will. The, the, bear, is, you will. the bear is significantly large that I don't need it all to be perfect. Plus, I would hope that if I have a gun, I also have like a jacket or a sleeping bag or something else. I don't know. Stuck could mean so I'm many things. I mean, are we talking like I don't know. Hatchet? With weight limits on airlines, your bullets, those 50 cal bullets are pretty heavy. That's going to take up most of your luggage. In Kelly's fantasy, I think <laughs> I'm naked, aren't I? Am I naked with a gun? Is that what you're fantasizing? <laughs> oh, <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> no. I, uh, no. <laughs> Just checking. Well, now I am. <laughs> now you are. <laughs> All right. We should move on quickly. Quickly. Kelly, you should go first. Next. First, next. You whined last time about Melissa going. Did I? Yes. Oh, I was, I was just, I was whining about the, the rotation. Well, I then what it was. now it's going the other way. Excellent. I'm going pink. It's upside down. Would you rather have $1, $1 million? That's a different. For sure. Or a 50-50 chance on getting $10 million? Ooh. Probabilities. <laughs> what would you do, Kelly? I would do the 50-50 because I'm either... Because a million dollars doesn't get you very far. What are you talking about? <laughs> you could have a car and retirement and a house and a book publishing deal and... But it's still, it's still not... Could you live with yourself if you lost the dice or the coin flip? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'd keep living the way I'm living now. <laughs> oh, really? The, the guilt but... wouldn't... The regret. I'd, I'd have some regret for a little while, but a little while, a little while. I, I, so it's only a million dollars. Seriously, ten million dollars. You, you, you just if you whined had ten, about being poor twenty minutes ago. What well, with inflation, a million dollars. What could I get you? <laughs> I wasn't whining. I wasn't whining. No, but with ten million dollars, you can stick that in like an annuity and live off of the. Um, that's like, it's like five hundred grand a year right there. Maybe five. Maybe fifty grand. No, it's you can get. All right, fair <laughs> enough. No, you can do it. All I have no idea how in, you can do a investments. Couldn't you do an annuity with a million dollars to just supplement your income? You just could. live off the, the interest could. of it. Yeah, you could. It'd be more than what you're making. I think I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. you're, 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 if you did win, your tax burden on ten million dollars is considerably higher. Yeah, you'd only get to keep well, six of it. Oh, Let's just pretend that there's point. no taxes. All right. <laughs> the, the pink cards are always open for interpretation. Yeah. Oh, girls, you're the most cautious ones probably at this table. What would you do? Would you gamble or would you go with the million? I would not gamble. I would go with the million. Yeah? Why is that? Because I know that I could pay off student loans and take care of the things that I need to take care of right now with it and, and invest, save the rest of it and go about the rest of my life. And the prospect of getting an extra $9 million isn't It would be too worth. stressful. What would you do with all that extra money? I mean, yeah. we had trouble with that like billion dollars question a couple months ago. Like, what would you do if you had a billion dollars? Like, we had to spend all that money. <laughs> and, you know, you're like 12 months to spend all this money. And we probably got to what? Like a couple. 
Well, so one of the boxes. one of the ways to look at this would be if you won a million dollars, it's not hard to envision a world where you could burn through that quickly. Whether it's buying your own house, paying off your parents' house, setting up a retirement, but a in college what world fund. do you think I would burn through it quickly? Well, I don't burn through the money we make now quickly. That's true, but in in a conceivable world, you could easily burn through that by giving it to family members and setting yourself up for the future, plus your kids. Whereas if you took the 10 million, you could set yourself up such a way that everything was taken care of and then donate the other 9 million to charities. So, so, you know, do something now or free them or all sorts of other things. Could you live with the regret of not being able to give $9 million away to poor people or to sex traffic people? All right. <laughs> the, the 50, 50 is, is too stressful. I think so. I I don't know what I would do. I was writing this question. I've been thinking about it for days, and I still don't know what I would do. I think I'd have to talk to Melissa first. I think that's the appropriate answer. Uh, consult with wife is step one. Step two is do whatever she tells me to. I don't know. <laughs> so you'd go with a million? I, well, if it was just up to me, I think I would take the million dollars because, like, as I'm thinking about the things I would want to spend it on immediately, I would still have a considerable chunk of money to put into a, a trust fund or, I mean, cause like I could, I could go back to school and buy a house and replace both of our cars and still have half a million dollars left. Yeah. I mean, realistically, I think I figured out why I answered the way I did. Okay. Because I'd rather live lavishly than live comfortably. I think. Yeah. yeah. You want to be so, ostentatious about yeah, it? Yeah. I'd, I'd rather be so. Yeah. So I want a chance to live lavishly. And if I can't have that, then no. So side tangent, I was thinking about that today. I was making some hot dogs and I was squirting mustard on the bun. And it did that first, like, you know, where it like, there's just uh, not quite enough juice. And I was like, and that made you think about living lavishly. Yeah, because I was like, I desperately want to be like rich enough that whenever I got like halfway done with barbecue sauce or ketchup, whatever, I would just throw the bottle away. I would never, ever have the thing. It would just be like, oh, this one's done. You know, Garbage. you can avoid it by appropriately shaking the mustard bottle. Yeah, I'm rich enough not to have to bother shaking. But that's the goal. <laughs> I knew a guy that came Rich does not give you license to be irresponsible. Homeless people. Why do homeless people, people, need people want your crappy half bottle of mustard? <laughs> Buy a bottle of mustard. Their lives are hard enough. All right, I'll give them some hot dogs too. I have a coworker who Ooh, no wait, wait. So I bought a 14 pack of hot dogs and then only enough buns for 12 of them. So I'd give the homeless people my extra half bottle of crusty mustard and two hot dogs. Their lives are horrible, yeah, and now they're get getting the like your, your, <laughs> Oh my gosh! No, I have I have a coworker who eats like ketchup, like just straight ketchup, like and just squeeze it in their mouth, super super just, style. Yeah, she just likes ketchup a lot. It's oh, weird, man. but I, I can imagine homeless people would be cool with just eating straight mustard. It's really healthy. What? <laughs> Wait, we haven't got Kyle's answer yet. Um, okay, so here's the, here's Wait, what I'm thinking about. Do you have to consult the wife first? Well, she's saying no. No, <laughs> for, the, no for the million. Okay, I, I think we would go with the million, but what I'm thinking about in the question is, why is it 50-50? This is why I was never good at like school, because you do the word math problems, right? And yeah. you'd be like, why am I on Mars trying to find my spaceship in the first place? Why are I these mean, two trains even headed those exactly. directions? I don't understand. Exactly. So No, no one goes go to Detroit. Train. No, yeah. why would the train go to Detroit? <laughs> why is it only going 30 miles an hour? I don't understand. All right. We've exhausted that one. Uh, so what do you, we had a yellow and a pink. I'll go with a blue question. Becca in Bellingham. First time, I think, from Becca writing in. Hi, Becca. Uh, Melissa's probably going to answer this one for us. Uh, how do you organize your budget and meal plans throughout the week and or month? So budget and meal plans. Uh, 
Melissa and I have become weekly shoppers. Yeah. That's been a weird transition for me being married. I was kind of a once a month, once every six weeks shopper. But talk about the kind of food that you ate. Everything was in the freezer. Yeah. Until, until it went in the microwave. That's my man. Yeah. That's the bachelor right there. Yeah, you had and cereal and tater tots and, and chili. chili. And Lots of canned frozen can, pizza. You can shop once a month if, if you're buying preserved <laughs> foods like that. But if you're buying anything with fresh vegetables or fresh meats. Vegetables. Doubles. What, what is this? <laughs> Sometimes there's colorful bits in the food that I make you. Those are vegetables. Oh, I thought it just gone bad. <laughs> oh. No, because we shop once a week oh. instead of once and a yet month. Yeah, he still ate it. Yep. Okay, so budget. We we use Mint. Yeah, Mint.com is has a a service that's pretty cool for budgeting. Um, cause it's, we did a bunch of research before signing up for it, and it looks like it's really safe and secure. And so I didn't feel uncomfortable about giving it access to our um to like our bank information so it knows how much money we have and it it has access to like our transaction records so it knows how much we spent on what so i can actually budget in categories of how much we plan to spend on different types of things and can set budgets for savings and all that stuff and i love having it online i didn't think i was gonna i didn't think i was gonna like it as much as i did um i thought it was gonna be maybe something that i would try for a little while but i i've really liked it because it's the kind of thing that i can check easily and quickly um so i can kind of constantly manage the budget rather than having to set aside you know an hour every two weeks or whatever to check and balance the checkbook and everything like that like i can i can check it a couple times a week and make sure that we're on track for what we're supposed to be doing and it works really effectively meal planning i find much more challenging i made i made a menu for us it's true luke has done a great job of of writing out kind of the ingredient lists and a, a big old menu list of things that i've made that he really likes to eat I found so being uh, a member of food blogs has been really helpful because I get ideas from other people online. It gives me something to read in my free time. And then I found there's one lady who does a blog that on Mondays, she she calls it Menu Plan Monday, and she posts her menu plans with links to recipes for the week. And sometimes I have no desire to eat the things that she's feeding her family. But (laughs) if I can pull one or two ideas from her weekly plan, I can usually supplement it with stuff from my own repertoire and pull in some creative stuff um, to try and change it up. She's big. She's a, a mom of several. I don't know how many. And so like a lot of slow cooker recipes, which I'm like, sweet. That's Wednesday's meal. Cause Wednesdays are really busy for us. What about you, Kelly? This is waffles all the time. Waffles and sometimes drinks. No, I don't eat much at all. Actually. I, <laughs> Because you don't have a budget? Is this like step I one, I have no money? Step two, I don't eat anything? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll... How does I it get, work with having a roommate? How do you like split the food in the fridge in the kitchen? Yeah, I don't think he eats. Okay, what? I, well, I mean, he... Okay, no, I, I know he eats. I know he eats pizza constantly. But he doesn't eat food from a fridge or from a pantry or anything. He just... He just... Orders, acquires food. Acquires food elsewhere. He <laughs> brings it in and leaves giant piles of boxes in his room. Awesome. Yeah. Are you looking forward to being out of this place? Yes. How many more months? Uh, one. Next month? Yeah. And the next month I'm out. Where are you going? Back home? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got that far yet. Nope. All right, Kyle, what about you guys? All right. We use a, for the, the eating, we use a uh, software program called Plan to Eat. And so the idea is that you plan out your whole schedule and it puts, like, it tells you what you need to pick up at the store and everything. I think it costs a couple bucks, but it's been really effective for us. But I totally agree with you about the bachelor life. 
because stop I stop hitting the table, man. <laughs> Did they hear that? Yes. <laughs> okay. Anyways, but I, yeah, same deal though. Used to be a bachelor, worked at Costco, would just buy a giant box of something and live off of it for a month. It's <laughs> so. the way to do it. It's the way to do it. Amy, do you have a budget? Or does everything just go to school debt? Most things go to school debt, but I also have regular living costs that I have to take care of. And yeah. How often do you make meals at your house? Once a week? If I'm home all day and I'm not going to be gone in the evening, then oftentimes I'll make food if I have an idea. If I get home first, usually it's the, do you have an idea for dinner? No. Yes. I have a plan. No, I don't have a plan. Do you share the cost of food with your the most part, I'm, you, live, you still live at home. I still live at so. home. For the most part, I don't have to share the cost of food. I like I have to feed myself. But if we are having a meal together, for the most part, I don't have to. And do what that. is your favorite thing to make? If you could just make anything, well, what is the one go to? Love it. Got to eat it now. I don't know. You those, don't have one. Those, those bowls, right? That pepperoni bread. That's stuff. different. Pepperoni. That sounds bread. good. Yeah, Why haven't you brought bread? any for us? Tell us about this. She's been holding out. <laughs> Melissa, tell. Us. Is, she, is she holding out on us? There, there's a the hesitation means yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, a pizza loaf that you make pizza dough and you basically make pizza without the sauce and then you roll it up and bake it. I don't know about the not the sauce part. So it's just pepperoni well, you can inside dip of it dough in the sauce. Is there cheese? Yes. If okay. you want to put cheese in there, not a we calzone. Don't put cheese. Yeah. There's no sauce, and a calzone is a pizza that's folded in half and this is rolled up. So it's like a pinwheel instead. Oh, okay. and then you would okay. dip it so in. Then you like cut it in like sauce. logs. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> it's like a Swiss roll full of meat and cheese. <laughs> oh, I like this. Yes, yes. Do okay, yeah. I want my birthday is coming up in December, so you should make one for me <laughs> next week. <laughs> yeah, no. All right, your turn. Pick, Pick something good. Color. We need a card picking song. Yeah, make a card picking song. Go. <laughs> Green. Green. Green card. <laughs> Cell phone cameras seem to be killing off the point-and-shoot market. So if you were in control of a major camera company, how would you respond? I would develop a camera that is implanted in the forehead. What? <laughs> That's not where I thought <laughs> never, that was going. Never, never sell. <laughs> I know that's kind of a, a weird convoluted topic. but It's because Luke hates Instagram. That's also true, actually. <laughs> uh, but I've been thinking about this lately. I almost never see anybody <laughs> with a point-and-shoot camera except you two ladies. Most other people use their phones. I know lots of people with point-and-shoot cameras. But most people, when I see them at places that Pike Spice Nick Market... Courtney made a big like, to-do about buying a good one. Well, they were going on a three-week European vacation. So I and think you want to have good pictures at the end of that. Fair enough. But I, I rarely see people wanting to carry a dedicated camera when they know they can just go to their phone as the easy, convenient Oh, yeah. Option. yeah. If I, I was like, a CEO, liquidate the assets and get out of yeah. that business quick. Either can that I, or market specifically to, or to like hardcore... No, you just people. get your R and D guys to make like a targeted EMP, <laughs> <pulse, laughs> little electric, no, a little electromagnetic pulse that just targets the camera function of cell phones in the nearby <laughs> radius. Some seriously high tech EMP Which technology, crazy like Israeli technology. Yes, because <laughs> then like all the people around you, you'd be the only one getting good shots, and so everyone would be like, "I have to have a camera in case my phone goes down because I don't know why this is happening." So <laughs> Melissa's option is corporate terrorism. Yeah. Oh Kelly, gosh. you are the one with the cell phone camera. Do you even own a point and shoot? I own an old F uh, Nikon F10, which is a film camera. It's right? a film camera. Yeah, wow. yeah I but don't own a digital For you, it's camera. just your iPhone four, right? Yeah, which takes great pictures. I mean, it does. It's not too bad. I mean, it when it when it's dark, the flash is awful and it's just washed out nonsense. But during the day, it's actually pretty good. And Amy, didn't you just get a camera for I Christmas? I got a camera for I think it was Christmas for back. my birthday. Oh, birthday! That was it for yeah. my birthday. 
I would prefer to use my camera, but a lot of times I end up using my phone because that's in my pocket and I spend a lot of time with small children. And so impulsive picture. Yeah, it's the impulsive. You're doing something really cute here. Take a picture kind of a thing. But the pictures aren't pictures that I could print or pictures that I would want to like I can show you on my phone. but I can't show you on my computer because it's not going to be as good on my computer. And my phone can't do that. And if it got to the point where camera phones could actually do the same quality and the same kinds of things that my digital camera could do maybe I would give up the digital camera, but not not right now. So you made me think of two things. First, an old <clears throat> adage that something like uh, the, the best camera you own is the camera you have right now. I think it's kind of how it goes. Basically, the best camera you own is the one that you can use to take the picture of the thing you want. Oh. It's not the cool DSLR that's back at home that's not useful at this point. So I understand that point of having the, the camera on, on hand at all times. Secondly, if they were going to make cell phones as good as normal point and shoots, they would have to have like a retractable lens. How do you feel about a phone having a retractable lens? I think that's silly. Okay. So I will have my... <laughs> I've always wanted my phone to be like a transformer. <laughs> like an actual transformer? Like it turn into a robot and kill you? Yeah, not kill me. That, that's what transformers do. Mostly, Like yeah. perch on my shoulder and then, you know, be like, dude, check it out. <laughs> a parrot? It's a, it's yeah, a parrot yeah, it's like a little parrot with peg leg. What about you, Melissa? I don't even think your phone takes pictures. Nope. So what about you? Like if you were in control of Nokia or not Nokia, I guess I like Canon or something. I told you my idea, the EMP. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I think, I think, so Kodak just went out of business. They filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy, which is sad. because That is sad. Yeah. yeah Kodak, so the reason with Kodak was that they had a bunch of digital technology that they were working on kind of in lockstep with, with Nikon and Canon and the other ones. But to protect their film business, they intentionally withheld their own development so that they wouldn't lose market share in the film where they were competitive. And then film dried up overnight and they didn't have the technology ready to compete. And so they filed for Chapter 11. So I think if you were in the situation of a Panasonic or someone that was kind of dying in that market share, I think maybe partnering would probably be the best bet. Mm -hmm. If you can get HTC or Motorola or Nokia or whatever to... Use your sensors, your optics, your processors. So, Maybe there could be some kind of hybrid. Yeah. I, I don't know what you can do. I, I think as cell phones get more and more advanced and people... It's the new AT&T <coughs> Motorola Zip with the Lumix, yeah. you know, <laughs> whatever. 13 megapixel... Whatever. Well, the the flip make up words. The, company who, the company who made the flip they're also bankrupt yeah the flip cameras <laughs> Kelly had one they still have one it's cool you, wait 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 hold on we got you have a, you have an iPhone now though so do you even yeah. carry the flip with you well the flip if no. I was if I was doing <laughs> actual videos like I had planned to do which I'm not doing then I would be carrying the flip but, but instead but you used to use the iPhone. Well, I'm not making videos, so it's completely different. All right, Amy, sorry. I, I was talking to a customer the other day who she and her husband were talking, and then he wandered off. And was, But they were talking about he wants to get a new video camera because theirs is, you know, five years old. And I'm like, good luck trying to find a dedicated video camera that's not high-end because so many of those companies have gone, gone the way of all things because either you need the high-end stuff or you can just use your cell phone. There was a, a graph that Apple used last year when they announced the 4S, and it was uh, the the rate of photographs on Flickr, uh, all other brands of cameras <laughs> from DSLRs down to point and shoots against the iPhone 4, and the iPhone 4 had caught up to them uh, in the one calendar year that it had been out. Wow. That that's how much the the smartphone market's taking over. 
So anyway, I'm not even into cameras, but that for some reason makes me sad. Like as technology changes, you know, kids will have no idea what a video store even is. Oh yeah, I think that we're already years. past that point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're at the point now where I don't even think kids will remember a day when they needed to remember their friends' phone numbers. Like in your head, remember? I'm already to that point. <laughs> well, sure, but we grew up. We 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 stand. I still, I still remember Aaron's parents. House's phone number? 786. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it wasn't a 786. No. I have no idea what it is. Yeah, yeah it's no. been too long. Anything online, you have to be 555. 555. Yep. <laughs> All right, babe, it's your turn. Ooh, a yellow, possibly oh, science related card. Get ready. This, no, this is actually a Kickstarter project, possibly, unless you. No, no. no. That's exactly oh. what it says. Well, I know what it says. I'm just not sure who's doing it. Tell us what it says. It says Moai <laughs> bodies. So the Moai, for those of you who don't know, because I played a video game and learned this. <laughs> the Moai are the names of the big stonehead statues on Easter Island. Oh. The mm-hmm. giant noses. Those okay. are the Moai. And, you know, 21st century, we just assume that they are giant heads and have always just been giant heads. But I'm, I'm guessing that there is some... Either some effort to create bodies for them or to recreate bodies for them. So, or to undig bodies for they them. They had bodies, Undig, yeah. 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 So for many, many, so these things are from like the 1200 AD area. Um, and they've, they've existed <clears throat> on the island all those, all those years. They were found by the Europeans in the 1600s. For many years, we, they were so protected that nobody wanted to go around digging around because they're kind of like a, a Stonehenge or a, a pyramids kind of thing. And so uh, most people don't know this, but they have bodies underneath that are sometimes equal size, sometimes bigger than the heads themselves. So the question wow. is, why were they ever buried in the first place? Because, I mean, I've, got, I've actually got a picture Whoa. here that you guys can pass around. I'll, I'll share it with the, with the oh people online. Oh, my goodness, that's cool. Some of these are massive. Some of them are actually smaller than the heads themselves. But in Kyle general, is giggling because they're anatomically correct. Hey, no, I was wondering no. what he's doing with his hand. He looks like he's holding a <laughs> penis, and that might actually be true. But nah. Kelly, Maybe. what else could it be? Yeah. <laughs> so what I wanted to say was just that there are 887 statues on Easter Island, and it was a big mystery for a lot of years, kind of like the pyramids, of like how these stones got moved around the island. Because when the Europeans showed up, there were no trees on the island. It was completely deforested at that <clears> point, and nobody could understand how you would transport these things. Some of them, the biggest ones, weigh upwards of 85 tons. So, I mean, we're talking significant sizes. It's an island. It's on hills. It's, you know, how would you even transport some chunk of rock this large? They did some, some really cool archaeology and found out there's a bunch of pollen layers buried deep in the soil, which allowed them to kind of figure out geologically when there might have been trees. Mm-hmm. And it shows that while these things were being built, there definitely were trees on the island. By the time the Europeans showed up 400 years later, there were none. So the, the theory is that they basically deforested their entire island to make rolling logs to transport these things to the edges of the island. So they basically destroyed their entire forest ecology <laughs> to transport these statues of uh, ancestors or uh, you know godlike creatures. Yeah. This is far too nice with this whole passing of the paper thing. You know, it's probably just Uncle Jake <laughs> Here, or something. No, because it's been ruined. Kelly, <laughs> what's been ruined? Shaking the paper in the microphone to piss everybody off. There you go. <laughs> oh, no, don't hit the microphone. That's bad. That's bad. All right, put that down right, right now. Uh, yeah, so Moai heads have bodies, and uh, the people of Easter Island not only deforested everything, but also flipped them all over themselves. Uh, in a great clan war that they had. All of the ones basically are, are dug up, flipped over, or broken in half at the neck. 
so that when so when we see them, it's just heads. They are heads now because they've been broken. Is what you're Many of them have been. Yeah. So oh. part, that was part of the reason that people assumed there were no bodies because they were just snapped off and then dirt and and so grass like, and other things had grown over the the neck. So some kind of maybe religious war. Or maybe they were overthrowing a dictator. Or it's, well, it sounds yeah. like it was just clan warfare. Oh, that okay. the, each kind of group on the island had its own. Ne- I keep hearing you say clam. Wars, oh. <laughs> like they're fighting Glam like shellfish. Awesome. Well, I didn't know there was some kind of like like crazy shellfish disease or something. Tribal warfare. Uh, <laughs> the ancient clam wars. <laughs> the elders spoke of. Well, you know the they used them as weapons. I, they were razor clams. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kyle. Oh, all right. Uh, we're gonna do Baloo. So this is Scott from Minnesota. Would you rather be dyslexic or see the world in black and white? Ooh, that's one to think about for a second. Backwards or in black and white? All right, no, I've got to. I, told, I warned you about the table, man. Stop hitting the table. I'll fight you uh, right so here on it. I think we have to assume that the dyslexia is pretty severe. Dyslexia affects you when you read and when you write, but it, it's more of a like you have to spend an enormous amount of brain energy to overcome the dyslexia in order to write. And, and it will be letters in the right spots, facing the right directions. You can get to that point with a lot of effort. Hmm. Even really severely dyslexic people can take advantage of exercises and support and training to help them know how to overcome. Just like people who are generally colorblind. I mean, I've never known anybody that profoundly colorblind, but people who are generally colorblind can function in the world. Oh, sure. So dyslexic people would be this thing. I should have done some research and, and found out if dyslexic people have a hard time with keyboards. Um, if, if that kind of keyboard motion is difficult, because I, I, I think from what I'm thinking in this question, it'd be hard just to like write things. It would take so long that you'd probably either not want to put the effort forward or you just type everything out. So you'd go for black and white then? Well, see, I don't know. Cause that kind of just, I mean, that kind of forces my hand right there. You know, cause I have, you need to be able to write. I need to be able to write. So you'd have to sacrifice it's and go. therapeutic. I, yeah. Black and white. Well, how often do you write by hand though? Typing's the same. Well, and that's deal, what I mean. Right? I, don't, I don't know if dyslexic people struggle. Could you drive though? If you see in black and white, could you see the signals? Green, Ooh. yellow, red. Can you get a driver's Could you license? tell the light at least from? from I think you do have to be able to distinguish colors. Yeah, too. Oh, wow. I, I just got my driver's license renewed late, and I had to retake the vision test thing. And yeah, I didn't know what colors were on the bottom. Wow, it was great. She was oh, like, she was like, read or drive. Yeah, she that's was like, well, one. but I mean, people who are red, green, colorblind can get driver's licenses. Hmm. David's not here, but I mean, David drives. David had a job. David drives a truck, and That's he's true. red, green, colorblind. Yeah, I don't know. Then I'm trying to picture the world, the, the room I'm in right now, without there being distinct colors, just like <laughs> black and white, grayscale. And I'm kind of le- it'd be like a sweet, like old noir film <laughs> all the time. Yeah, maybe. It'd be and you'd cool always have to have that slinky lady coming in and be like, be, "It's raining all the time." <laughs> I need your help, sir. <laughs> Actually, I'm curious about Amy because your handwriting is basically dyslexic anyway. So that's because I was in the third grade before I learned how to read, and we think that if we'd ever bothered to do a di- dyslexia diagnosis, that I probably would have been di- diagnosed with a mild form of what's called number letter flip. Okay. Where you flip numbers and letters. If I have to read a string of numbers, I probably will flip them at some point. Whoa. Is that it, like hearing like the I color blue or something? No, that's... No. That when I read them out loud, so like... like synesthesia or something. Okay. So like I was having to read like prices to people today a whole bunch. And instead of saying like 79 cents, I would say 97 cents. And I'm like, okay. nope, wait, other way around. Those kinds of things. And that's a part of my like... I don't say numbers out loud a lot because that is part of normally what happens is that I just flip them. 
it's something that is overcomable. So, I mean, choosing to be, I like colors. So choosing to be worse dyslexic, I know that I could (laughs) overcome it. You won't be able to read my handwriting. And I think that typing, because it's people who are just, yeah, it's muscle memory instead of handwriting. So, I mean, people who are dyslexic can play the piano perfectly fine. Okay. And it's the same kind of thing as, at least in my head, they're the same kind of thing, typing and playing the piano. It's the same kinds of motions. And so you just have to remember where those are. And it's a matter of being able to remember what order the letters go in as opposed to being able to hit the letters. So my wife loves colors. My guess is that you'd rather be dyslexic. I don't think I could do my job. Oh, as a teacher. I don't think I would have made it through school and through student teaching if I was as... I mean, if we're talking about severe color blindness to the point where everything is literally black and white and we're equating a, a similar level of dyslexia, I don't think I would have, I don't think I could have become a teacher. I'm sure that it is possible to be a teacher with such a severe learning disability, but I think, I don't think I could have done it. So you, by, by nature of keeping your job, you'd have to keep Well, I, so writing. then I was thinking, like, I don't know if I would be a very good teacher if all I saw were black and white because I wouldn't. I do a lot of color coding and a lot of things with color in my classroom. So I really don't know. I think both both of those things would be really difficult for me. And it would mean a significant change to the course of my life. I've always wondered if I was dyslexic. Because I will often, if I'm writing by hand, write the second letter first. And then go back and do the first one. And then do the third one. It's a weird little quirk of mine. I might have dyslexia. I have no idea. Probably HDD. Or <laughs> <laughs> I just get so distracted. I'm yeah. like, second letter's first. Yay. No, but yeah, I often will write second letter and then go back first and then third. I don't Maybe. know why. I have an interesting factoid that's sort of related. All right. Hit us. So I finally, someone finally explained the way dogs see colors. Okay. Because <laughs> everybody's like, oh no, they're colorblind. They don't see any colors. And then some people are like, oh yeah, no, they see colors. They're just, you know, not the same. It's actually, they see blue and everything else. So let's say they don't, they can't so distinguish white, between, black and blue. So we see in three colors, right? We see red, green, red, sure, yes. yellow and blue, right? No, red, green, and blue, red, yellow, what? and blue. Yeah. Green is um, an uh, amalgamate of green and yellow. Mm. I'm pretty sure I can see more colors than that. No, but well, the everything, spectrum, though, the spectrum, yeah. the only three colors we're actually seeing are red, green, and blue. It's, it's just, you know, it's the combinations of, the of those three. Dogs only see in blue and everything else. So if you buy a What dog, do you mean by everything else? I'm like red that. and yellow. So okay. they can't distinguish between uh, red and yellow. Gotcha. So if you take a, you know, a red ball and chuck it into a green field of grass, the dog and, you know, the dog can't find it. That's because oh. the dog literally can't, it, it can't see the difference between hmm. the two colors. But if you get them a blue ball, they'll find it every time. Interesting. Yeah. I'm pretty sure in light, it's red, green, blue. Okay. Anyway. Uh, it's not, so it's not I'm green. I'm pretty sure I can green. see other colors. I'm looking around and I'm seeing lots of <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's the thing. It's, right there. You can't that's argue the that. thing is, is all these colors, like, you know, orange is just yellow and red mixed together. Um, you know, then so. what is yellow? Yellow's yellow is a primary is color. A primary color. Well, but if Luke is saying we're seeing in red, green, and blue, no, how do I see yellow? It's so, red, so yellow, TV, and blue. TVs only have red, green, and blue pixels. All the colors, all 16.7 million colors you see on a monitor, a phone, a TV screen come from red, green, and blue combinations. There right. are no yellow pixels. But then how do I see yellow? I, I don't know. I, like, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know, but that's the only Well, they prob- they're pixels. probably doing it in a you know, backwards way then. Uh, we will, I will look into it next episode. I will tell <laughs> you. Kyle, did you answer? Get the answer. Uh, no, I didn't. I'm going to go with the uh, color. I would like to see color. So you would keep color and yes, I don't want black and white. I want okay. I want the world full and rich of colors. All right, <laughs> Kelly. 
you're up. Flip a card. Oh. card. I'll go with the yellow one because that's a primary <laughs> color. <laughs> <laughs> H5N1 research. What oh, is that? it's because it's. Oh, oh, I know this one. I don't even have the paper in front of me, but I read about this one. <laughs> All right. How about you tell us about so, H5N1? Okay. It sounds like genetics, maybe? No, it's, it's a flu vaccine. Oh, right. Or okay. Flu, flu research. Oh, yeah, bird flu, bird flu, yeah. yeah. Bird flu, yeah. Bird flu research. So is it. Okay, you got to tell me who's got the research right now. Uh, there is a team in the Netherlands and a team at the University of Wisconsin. Okay, so the big controversy has been whether or not they should release publish it. Yeah, release yeah, their is... data about this um, flu virus because if they release it, it could pose a, a danger to society of terrorists get a hold of what they know about the flu and create new flu strains and kill us all with biological weapons. And they decided this week that they were going to release it regardless of the security concerns because science needs to be shared. Yeah, so just to back it up a little bit, the avian flu has been this super scary strain of, of, of influenza because basically 50 to 80% of the people that get it die from it. And the only people that get it are in really close proximity to poultry. So places like Indonesia, where there's a lot of like chicken farming, you'll see random rare, super rare cases of H5N1. And as far as we know, it can't be transmitted from mammal to mammal. So once someone gets infected with it uh, from a bird, that strain of the flu can't be passed to a loved one or a doctor. It doesn't go mammal to mammal. It only goes poultry to mammal, and then that person dies. But these researchers, both in the Netherlands and Wisconsin, have found a way through ferret models. So ferrets are, are similar to humans in how we deal with uh, the flu. In ferret models, they've managed to get it to go from ferret to ferret in open air. Oh. And they want to release the data on how this was accomplished so that people will be able to find a way to combat this oh. kind of avian flu epidemic. But the theory is that if it gets out there and, and the methodology is published, which is what you do in a research paper, biological terrorists could figure out how to weaponize the bird flu. And anybody who's seen the movie Contagion will know that once that kind of a flu gets out there, you can't stop it. That, that is like, uh, I actually got some, some stats here. That, I mean, they've been having conferences about this for a while now. They're saying that if it's uh, only one-tenth of as bad as we think it is, globally we'll still lose 200 million people. That's how dangerous this thing is. So the danger is letting it get in the hands of terrorists because it could wipe out literally countries but, but the danger we, of not releasing it, if something crazy happens anyway. Naturally, if something naturally, if, if people in Indonesia end up having it where it does mutate to go mammal to mammal, suddenly you have an epidemic with no research to, to stop it. You have no vaccine. You have no... I mean, this is the premise of the movie Contagion. Oh, it was a bat instead of a bird. But I mean, the, the basic idea is some crazy animal passes some crazy virus to a pig. No, no, it was to a pig. No, I and just then love the lady, everything's crazy. The lady <laughs> ate some the, crazy well, person. <laughs> then the lady ate the pig in the restaurant, and she was patient zero, and suddenly a gazillion people died. So how, just That quick. was the technical number. <laughs> so we're not scientists, and I don't want to dwell on this too long, but what's your gut instinct? Should it be published or not published? Run, everybody! We're all going to die! We're all going to die! Kyle's building a bunker tonight. <laughs> all right, Melissa, you brought it up. Publish or not publish? I, they have to publish it. I know that the security risks are crazy bad, but but if they don't publish it and the genetic mutation happens naturally, there's got to be research in place to fight it. So, Cal, don't publish it. Get the government to the findings or whatever, and they can develop a vaccine, but don't like put it secretly. out there on the internet. Yeah, do not put it on the internet. I will go look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, publish or not publish? 
I'm a little bitter about publishing right now. <laughs> I'm going to forego answering Release or not release oh, okay. the information. Um, Kelly's like, I don't care. I just don't want their hard drives to fail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. Was that too oh, yeah. No, it's all right. Uh, um, uh, I don't know. I'd release it, I guess. It, but for this kind of thing, wouldn't you have to, to have access to like You'd have to labs? Have, yeah. and- so, yeah, the challenge would be getting that initial strain. Because what 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 they you know so all the strains. So I mean, if the terrorists just go out and get a bunch of sick birds, they're all going to die anyway. <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah, <laughs> they're not going to have the kind of quarantine procedures in place. That fair enough. That, Even if they were able to yeah. find an infected bird, they would probably just die. Um, <laughs> the way that this research works is that you can get that initial strain of avian flu, and then it and then if theoretically if the science works out, you wait, this might be paths. work out advantageously because if we have terrorists going looking for sick birds, we're going to be killing off lots of terrorists. <laughs> so one of the challenges and they'll probably sacrifice themselves on the altar of you know whatever <laughs> religious fanaticism they've leave it to Kelly to themselves. go that one step. Hey, you too know what? Far. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, for me, I think they should publish it, Amy. I think they should publish it. I think that the drawback to a terrorist trying to do it is that it will kill them too. So what have they accomplished? That's true. Um, One weird little side tangent. Uh, Apparently there are people, poor people in Indonesia and China and other areas of the world that are like subsistence farming or just farming to like, you know, raise their small family. And they, because they're so scared of this, are just killing off all their chickens because they're terrified of getting it. So there are people that are like basically starving more than they were because they're so terrified of getting it. And one of the beautiful things about possibly having a vaccine is that mm. that kind of thing would no longer happen. Mm. So yeah, publish it. The, the weird thing <clears throat> is that the two researchers submitted their papers to Science and Nature, the, the research. The journals. Uh, the journals. And uh, it already was going through the review process by the time the federal government asked them to redact parts of the thing. So there are already between 300 and 1,000 people out there that have the full copy of this information. 2012, it's going to yeah. happen. Here we go. <laughs> The minds were right. All right, whose turn is it? Is it my turn? It is your turn. I'm going to go with a yellow card because everybody seems to be doing it. Science! Kickstarter! It's science podcast. Not quite. Oh. This one this one's my personal one. You guys all had uh. science. Mine was a personal one. So <clears throat> Kickstarter is a, a, a project, a website, an organization that helps uh, people that have great ideas get the funding they need to bring the, the projects to reality. So you have a video game, you have a documentary movie, you have a piece of jewelry, you have... Cure for cancer. Unlikely, but who knows in the future, that could be totally the way that things are funded. Uh, Kickstarter is is kind or of... the flu virus? <laughs> Can you kickstart I've got this my... incredible idea for a virus that transmits through the air and slaughters 50 to 80% of the people that get it. And I'm really, I need to raise $5 million to make this happen, folks. There's how the terrorists get their lab. <laughs> Can you just donate your chickens? That'd be great. Please donate. I, I need 10,000 chickens. <laughs> Screw the money. Um, no, so Kickstarter has been around for a while, but it got really good publicity a week ago when <laughs> the guys behind Double Fine raised an obscene amount of money. So, for... so Tim Schaefer, who Kelly has met in real life, I don't I know if you remember hand. that. I Tim Schaefer, the guy amazing. behind Double Fine, the guys that made Psychonauts and Stacking and Costume Quest and all those loved games, historically, way back in the day, were making point and click adventure games LucasArts, Sierra, the old things that Melissa likes. And they basically <laughs> said, well, let's see if the fans are willing to publish or help us fund the, the publishing of this game. So they made a Kickstarter account that said, if you guys in 30 days can give us $400,000, we'll make an old school point and click adventure game. Nice. And in 24 hours, they had a million dollars. They are. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And they, uh, they still have 23 days left in their, uh, 
their little. So it's been up for a week. Up for a week. Funding. They are at one million nine hundred and sixty-six thousand two hundred ninety dollars. Yes. So five times over the goal that they had set yeah. out. With. Does it say what the game's going to be about? Uh, no nope. point and click, point and click adventure. <laughs> <game. I> mean, <laughs> it's, yeah, that's yeah. enough. That's the funny enough. thing is that people enough. are all over this thing. Actually, scroll down. Does it show the the contributions list? Because uh, oh, you you can pitch right. in a dollar, or you can pitch in a hundred dollars, or you can pitch in. Does it not show on your phone? Well, I was just looking at the the bottom phone. prize. I'll the ten thousand dollar entry is quite awesome. There's a ten thousand dollar option. So I was going to say, yeah. when you decide on your contribution level, do you get something <laughs> back as an investor yes. into the project? So if you chip in fifteen dollars, you get the game. So it's basically a pre-order. If you Ooh. pitch in $15, it goes towards the development and they'll give you a copy for free when it comes out. Yeah, $15 gets you the game. $30 gets you an HD download of the documentary series with extras. So like the special edition. They're, they're, they're making basically a reality show yeah. about them making the game. <laughs> um, $100 gets you a poster plus all of the previous things. Scroll down to 10 grand. Just go. 250 I want to hear Another them all. poster, a thousand. You get a mini portrait of you painted by the game's artist Ooh. and all previous reward <laughs> tiers. 5,000 or more gets a larger original painting of art. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Um, and 10,000 lunch with Tim Schafer and Ron Gilbert and tour of the double fine offices and all previous reward tiers. Luke's going to do more it. Rewards, I can tell. But can't <laughs> post them here because they're probably sexual in nature. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the double but fine. Humor. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I actually follow Tim Schafer on, oh, there's his goofy face. Like, <laughs> such uh, a big man. Yeah, but I follow him on Twitter and he was, what I, I didn't even know that they were doing this until he started flipping out about it. He's like, oh my God. Yeah. It's already happened. Oh my God. <laughs> we're double the <laughs> So they're freaking out a little yeah, bit because they don't know what to do minds. with the extra money. Yeah. They budgeted for 400000 said we can make they can a game make for 400000 They can make a huge game. They can make, actually, I, I think uh, what, what they have decided is that they've already got enough money for the sequel. And Whoa! <laughs> yeah, whole essentially, series, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they've they've got enough money to make a series now. So, um, so they're already discussing that. So I, I asked the people around this table to look up Kickstarter projects that they thought were interesting. Um, not everybody has one. I can see Melissa's giving me the guilty face, but it looks <laughs> like Amy might have done some research. So did you find some good kink- Kickstarter? Um, the first one, which is the one that I was a little, in the end, a little disappointed in, was a public art that the idea I thought was really cool. Um, it was to put the words think and wonder, wonder and think on a bridge uh, leading to a art show. But after 12 days, they were going to take it down. Oh. And that's, that's where I became disappointed when I, was when I saw that. I was like, oh, man, like. If you're going to do, like, take the time to, like, put this thing up, like, leave it there. Yeah. I, I thought it was kind of lame that they were going to take it back down. The other one was a the reprint of a comic book. So this guy did a web comic, and he published some books, and some of the older books they ran out of, and he couldn't okay. afford to publish them himself. So he created this account so that if there was enough interest in publishing, you know, in, in people buying this book and people getting this book that he could republish it. And so he's funded enough to do that. And so they're going to be redoing that. But I thought it was really cool because it made me think of, uh, Danielle from Sacramento's sister has a comic that she, she draws occasionally. If she were to actually be serious about doing this, she could totally be published in a serious way using something like Kickstarter or something like that to to do that. That would be a way that she could actually do some of these things that she's wanted to do. I have two questions. Okay. 
First question. What happens to people's money if a Kickstarter project doesn't make its goal? Is it automatically refunded? So, yeah. So let's say Kyle comes up with a crazy idea to make a two-stage toaster. So what with the second stage? It works like a normal toaster, <laughs> except when it's done, it elevates your toast two inches so you can easily grab it. Let's but say that's Kyle's Those idea. things already <laughs> exist, but all right. Whatever. I was making it up, but apparently I'm late to the party. If Kyle made that, and he said, I need $100,000 to prototype it and manufacture the first run. At least $100,000. But, but he only got eighty grand. All of the money at the end of 30 days goes back to the people. All okay. the investors get their money back and Kyle gets nothing. Interesting. If it doesn't meet its final yeah, goal. Yeah, so it okay. protects the investors. Second question. Now, this double fine Kickstarter thing, they had tiers and rewards. It was kind of a PBS pledge drive sort of a thing going on. Do all of the projects have tiers and rewards or do some of them just crassly ask for your money some of them and then offer to sell you the thing when they're done <laughs> most of them at the beginning were definitely just like pay whatever you want just blanket like you can go a dollar you can go the whole project um now they've uh, more commonly gone with the tiered system and you almost always get some physical good or service back um so it's not like it's just a raw investment you but there's no requirement to create a kickstarter account that you I don't this. believe so. Okay. We should start a, a non-sequitur podcast, Kickstarter, to send us all to Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I got a summer job. We're going to be fine. All right, Esther. All right. That's uh, actually a really good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Says the poor guy. Kelly, did you find anything you like? There was a pop-up book that doesn't actually open. That doesn't sound like a very functional yeah, product. Yeah, I don't know what that was about. <laughs> um, there Wait, was are a... you just looking right now on the fly? No, that, well, I'm looking, but I, these are things that I've... Already looked at. Okay. Um, but there was one about, you know, it was a new method to teach children about reproduction. <laughs> I saw that one. <laughs> in, it looked, I don't know. Did it have like figurines or something? Well, you know, the cover is a sperm. <laughs> like like a, a little anatomically correct Barbie it's and a little, Ken. Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, no, the, the, uh, the cover was a happy little sperm. He was waving to a happy little egg. And <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> the video cartoon. from the 1950s. Yeah, yeah kids are going to be super confused. Yeah, yeah. You're like, what are those things? Where, mommy, where does the sperm meet the egg? Oh, my God, here's a good one. Okay, someone's writing a book about possessed paper towels attacking a, the pocket... Of give human people, survivors give generously <laughs> towels of the damned so kelly Post what about what about you getting a book publishing deal on kickstarter i you know i might have to look into that because <laughs> i've got i mean i lost all my work but i've already written one short story i've got two others that i want to work on i've got a couple that i need to rewrite um i think in the next six months i could have a book's worth of short stories i could do that Maybe. Could you include in your Kickstarter account enough money for a, a backup drive? Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I have two hard drives, please? <laughs> we love rubbing it in your face. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So my favorite one that I think I might actually donate to is something called Doodle Defense. Doodle, Doodle Defense is a project right now that uses a Kinect sensor from the okay. Xbox 360. Yeah, they need to do I thought you stuff didn't like that. the Kinect. Uh, I don't like the games for the Kinect. So a connect sensor, a projector, a whiteboard, and a computer. Those are the four things. Wow. So you, you aim the connect and the projector at the whiteboard. Okay. And the connect reads what you write on the whiteboard, transmits it through the computer as a game code, and then projects the game screen back onto the whiteboard. And what it is, it's a tower defense game where you literally draw out the mazes and plant the towers and all the little like bad guys coming through your tower defense game yeah, that's die that's totally at the sweet. hands of your, your whiteboard drawings. I heard about this somewhere else. It's super fascinating. They only have 950 bucks right now and they need 1500 
but I think it's a great idea. They could, I mean, it's it's like an interactive video game. You can draw any size screen, map, picture, maze, and the dudes will fall through it. You can make like choke points and kill rooms and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> it looks super cool. Um, it's kind of so. clever, yeah. I've always, well, it's, when you're a kid, well, when I was a kid, I used to like doodle out stuff like that, like little like G.I. Joe scenarios. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. You can Absolutely. actually watch, like, it's I all used animated. to love graph paper because I would create these <laughs> monsters on it and then they would have wars. And by the end of it, <laughs> and by the end of it, it was just all these explosions <laughs> drawn because everything had been wiped out except for the one cool guy in the middle. He's like, what now, punk? <laughs> so, yeah, if you guys out there listening, finding a good Kickstarter, you should post them on the Facebook page. All right, Amy, draw a card. Pink. What does it say? Read the origin story of HZO's technology. We'll I'm going to leave that one to Luke. We'll let Melissa read it because she's got the okay. good narration voice. <clears throat> Several years ago, a maritime student working on a barge in the Mississippi River accidentally fell overboard. He held on to a line in the water for about half an hour while he tried to communicate with the bridge. Desperate for help, he frantically tried calling for help using a cell phone, which was rendered useless the moment it hit the water. When that didn't work, the student pulled out the standard-issue maritime radio, which was the same fate as the cell phone. Unable to call for help, he was crushed to death between the barge and a gate to a lock on the river, leaving behind a distraught wife and two small children. Out of this tragedy was born a our commitment <laughs> to develop technology that is impenetrable to water. The enemy of all electronic devices, HZO, took this commitment to heart and set about development. The coding was first developed in a garage, and after undergoing a strenuous trial and testing period, it resulted in a coding that would protect electronic devices from water damage. I, I, found, dun, dun, dun. I, I thought this story was amazingly bad. So... HZO is a company like two others that are making basically nano coatings for cell phones. So basically they either need to partner with, with Motorola or Apple to have these come out of the factory this way, or you can send your, your phone into them, but it makes literally a coating that makes your phone waterproof. You can make a phone call a meter underwater with your phone. I don't know how that really worked because you couldn't really talk. But you could, you could talk underwater with your phone. But all of the iPod jack, the, the charging hole, all of that stuff is water repellent in wow. spite of it not looking like it. So it's a really cool company. They showed it at, at uh, CES. And uh, I was like, I'm going to go check out their website. And I found this horrible story. And it's like, <laughs> it's like this man who apparently was carrying the worst maritime radio in the world. How is the maritime radio not waterproof? That blows my mind. But he falls in the water, gets crushed to death, leaves behind a wife and kids. And out of this tragedy, come buy our product. I, I just, it was such a, I, I can't believe that story. I think it's fake. But anyway, Probably. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this in a weird direction. My first thought when I was hearing about these nano coatings was whether or not you could weaponize them. Like, what if you were able to basically make some kind of, like, powder you could sprinkle on someone's food and they ingested it and it made their internal <clears throat> linings non-permeable to water? Instant death. <laughs> Am I the only person that thought that? <laughs> you are the only uh, yeah, person probably. that thought <laughs> I mean, yes, it's cool to keep your iPhone from getting, you know, destroyed in the washing machine. But, I mean, terrorists, man. You're no. kind of obsessed it with terrorists It sounds like you're the terrorist. Today. I think I can be the terrorist. You guys can weaponize bird flu and I'll weaponize nano coatings. I want to weaponize puppies. So that's a good idea, actually. So my prediction is that when the iPhone 5 gets announced this year, it will have one of these coatings on it. Ooh, actually, okay, let's get all tinfoil hat and, and jaded here. Do you think Apple would want their phones to be waterproof? No. 
I'm going with no. <laughs> At first, I was like, yeah, that'd be a great selling Why feature. Why they could charge an extra hundred bucks? Yeah. Oh, so they'd be like a waterproof coating and a non-waterproof option? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Ooh. Hmm, yeah, okay. So they'd have to make sure that the option that has the phone coating or the waterproof coating is more than the replacement cost, though. So, I mean, a hundred dollars probably wouldn't be enough. Okay, well, whatever. Two hundred. I don't know. You got your thirteen hundred dollar waterproof thirty two gigabyte option. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> is it bad that I'm that cynical that I'm like they're totally not going to do no, it for free? And the cheap version, which is the nine hundred dollar uh, eight gigabyte non waterproof version. They, what they do is that it's waterproof, but it shatters faster. <laughs> So they make it of a cheaper plan. Somewhere Max and Shannon right now are like wiping a tear from their <laughs> eye right now. <laughs> All right. Melissa, it is your turn. Let's take a listener question. Nick from Auburn says, why do Mexican restaurants have menus given that nearly every dish is some combination of tortillas, beans, meat, cheese, and rice? That is a good point. <laughs> it's people who speak Spanish like to laugh at people who don't when they try to pronounce things it's, off the menu. It's an interesting point because you think about it, it's all just the same combination of stuff in different proportions. What you're ordering is basically it's different a, it's proportions It's all about how you fold things. it, basically. But you, you, Do you want a taco that doesn't have very much rice in it? Then get one of those. But if you want a burrito, it's got more rice in it. Or you can get something that doesn't have any rice at all. But there's different kinds of But it's meat on the plate next to it. And sauces. <laughs> and of course you need a menu. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's onto something here. It's all just one big, like they could just like mush it all up into big gruel and it'd be the same thing basically. So you think you should go there and just yeah. tell the person? Like, I, I would uh, like to do thing, this with it. Yeah, I walk up and just like, I like the thing that you make. Bring it to me. <laughs> I don't know. Because I don't really like quesadillas and enchiladas sometimes read me the wrong way, but I like burritos a lot. But sure, on your quesadilla plate, you're going to have the rice and beans right next to it anyway. Right? I mean, you're not just going to get... Well, actually, I don't know. Who orders quesadillas? Anybody here? You? No. I do. <laughs> do you get rice and beans next to it? Uh, it depends on the restaurant. Sometimes you can just get a, a plain quesadilla. Well, because like sometimes the quesadilla comes as... You have to order off the appetizer menu. Oh, okay. And sometimes it's a dish in and of itself, in which case it would come with rice and beans. Fair enough. I think it was just a witty question. I don't know if he actually expected a real response, but I think he's on to something I think there. you have to have menus because I mean, food has names for a reason. It's what distinguishes the food with green sauce from the food with red sauce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could see a world where there's less options for Mexican restaurants. Even Taco Time has enough choices. Even Taco they, Time? Even Taco Time. And Taco Time is not even Mexican or a restaurant. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Snatch classy Taco Bell, <laughs> essentially. Harsh. I don't know. About I have that. No idea. <laughs> All right, Kyle. Go. Okay. Uh, green or pink? That's pink. up to you. Okay. Uh, actually, I don't know. Yeah, it's up to no, you. No, no, green. Is that pink okay? One. Okay. Pink's the only one okay. he hasn't read in ow, advance. Ah, Okay. <laughs> this is a this or that horror or comedy. Horrors or comedy. <laughs> horror. 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 As movies. in movie genres or uh, comedy. I can't stand horror movies, so comedy. You can't stand them. Why not? I, I don't actually don't understand. You get why, scared. No, really easy. I, Kelly's probably going to disagree with me completely on this. I don't understand why people watch them. I think some level of it for some people might be that it like helps them deal with the concept of death. You know, like they're freaked out by their own mortality. That, that's and say, not watch the TV. traditional explanation. Why, why <laughs> yeah, do people watch profound. stuff like Saw and all those movies? What's the traditional? It's just like torture porn mostly. It's the sex and death connection thing. People so, are yeah, mostly sometimes. scared of death, and but it's. It's that heightened excitement from watching, from being scared and from watching people not being in any danger yourself. You kind of get that, that 
adrenaline rush. So it's like a sedentary version of a roller coaster. It's <laughs> except it's got a much more sexualized component to it. I mean, you, I don't you understand often, that. At all. You off, most horror movies often have at some point like, oh no, I've been grabbed with a bad guy. And he rips half my shirt off. Or is that true, Ooh, Kelly? Uh, some types <laughs> of horror movies, yes, but not. The not, ones that teenagers go see. I mean, yeah, it's, it's ones, a big. The ones that are aimed at what what they call the teen slasher flicks. Yeah. Those so are scream, almost. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, S- Scream was a satire, though. I mean, okay. That one was poking fun at the horror movies and all the. But isn't every teenage things. movie over sexualized? It's not That's just. The but I mean, horror yeah, as a genre, yeah. even as a literary genre, has been somewhat sexualized from the beginning. In in terms of the kind of classic. I mean, Kelly is much more of a horror fan, and so he would be much more familiar with some of the sort of fringes of the genre where stuff gets... And that's where my interest is more, you know, like the the Lovecraft kind of cosmic out there concepts. uh, So you also like comedy, though. If you had to choose one (laughs) and deny yourself Uh, the other. uh, I think uh, psychologically it would be healthier to go with the comedy. (laughs) 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 But I mean, mean, the way Melissa put it, yeah, I mean, it is, it's a, it's... I don't know if it's an adrenaline rush so much, but you get some sort of weird satisfaction out of being scared. You know, it's not, I mean, I'm not going into the theater thinking, oh, I'm going to get off on this. Yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there are people that do, man. <laughs> Melissa's like, yeah. No, I'm sure there are people that do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So my answer is comedy, Amy. Comedy. You don't watch the horror movies. Why are you making this life <laughs> painful? Because I also don't like, like most comedies. Ooh. Like I don't if you like go to the comedy either. section yeah. of you know Netflix or so back would... in the day the video store, most the of the what? movies, <laughs> <laughs> most of the movies. In the, I mean, you made me watch the first ten minutes of Super Troopers the other day. He had, to, he had to bribe me um, in order to get me to watch it. And did I smile? Did no. I even smile once no. during the first ten minutes of that movie? Which apparently are the funniest did I even smile? ten <laughs> minutes of film on ever recorded. I'm, I'm, I'm you boys like Mexico. You boys like Mexico. So Melissa, you would—he's already a, pulled a over. He can't pull over any farther. <laughs> I, I just—I I get no enjoyment out, out of any of it. It turns <laughs> out I don't. I really. I like wit more than I like comedy. I like storytelling. <laughs> Luke has completely lost his mind. This is this is Farva. Uh, uh, Unit seventy one. This is Farva. Do you need me? I'd love to come help you. <laughs> and I'm still not laughing. <laughs> like, you laugh just even thinking about it, just picturing. Because this is just so absurd. The, the yeah. movie, it brings you to tears. You're crying. That's so good. <laughs> so how can I possibly pick between these two genres but, I mean, that I have really no appreciation right for? You can't stand horror, though. You can tolerate comedy. You, you, I, I've never uh, look seen at that you. face. That when, doesn't look like a tolerated face. When you went face. and watched hey, Black Swan she, with Kelly... You appreciated it as a film, but I don't think you enjoyed it. It wasn't a horror film. Okay, fair enough. It was a... It's the closest you've come, probably. It was a, it was a psychological it was a thriller. thriller. Yeah. Which is, it's a different oh, genre. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a little scary at points, but it wasn't a horror film. Okay. So, you're just not picking one? I'm just not picking one. All right, Kyle? I go with both. No. <laughs> okay, no, I'll go with comedy. All right, fair enough. Uh, Kelly, go, quick. From Tiffany in Portland. Yay, Tiffany. Uh, if you were a superhero, this is so much a yes. question already. Love it. Describe what your costume would look like. <gasps> Ooh. Melissa's got a good Who one. Who hasn't thought of this one? <laughs> All right. Try or is she just. Try to make wait, them quick. Wait. Wait. Okay. You ready? Go yeah. for it. Go. Um, so. Have I seen this costume in its primitive form? 
No, because <laughs> no, I've never been able to draw punk very well. I was talking um, about mirror girl. I remember oh. what Luke. I remember what Luke <laughs> wanted you to be wearing Whoa. as a superhero costume. The uh, Samus Blue. Oh yeah, costume. from from Pax that year. Yeah, so I, I invented a superhero. His name is Punk. He can light things on fire with his thumbs. Um, he has purple hair. It's double meaning of punk. It's pretty awesome. Um, That's right. Because it's not he, like there's fire. It's just like right. glowing embers on he, his thumbs. And but he wears um, steel-toed boots, um, blue jeans, um, a you know graphic T-shirt, and a black leather jacket. So kind of a hipster. Well, he's French. Ah. <laughs> It's a very uh, complex character. <laughs> <laughs> He's afraid of heights. And, yeah. So, no, his partner is, her name's Panache. She can do anything perfectly after seeing it once. Oh, that's interesting. She's very sophisticated. She makes her, her day job is as a pastry chef. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> this is going to be some weird twist. I have spent years developing these characters. Do not make fun. Backstories and everything. If I was a superhero, I would almost surely turn into a supervillain at some point. Like, like within a year. I don't think I could be a hero for more than a year. Uh, so I would want to s- outfit like the Stig on top gear so you couldn't see my identity at all. Like no no skin covering at all or showing. That's what I would do. <laughs> I would be naked. <laughs> naked. No, no skin showing at all. I would be completely covered up. So yeah, no identity. What about you, Kelly? Uh, my guy would also be... Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> yeah. So I would be able to fly for sure because that's oh, like yeah. my oh, thing. Yeah freaking flying I want that um and I don't know lots of other cool stuff but yeah it would be black uh, and I don't know practical I don't know I don't think it would be <laughs> black Car- and black. cargo pants <laughs> yeah like so cargo pants need more cargo pants yeah they don't they, they have to carry stuff <laughs> hey oh oh oh, oh, oh. Pads, okay here's pads a construction actually <laughs> when I was when I was fantasizing about flying in my you know, last week, um, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, it's going to be damn cold up there. So oh, I yeah. need some kind of very, you know, like thick. an astronaut suit. Yeah. Iron way. Man. But, but, you know, some, and some kind of mask covering so I could breathe properly. Cause that, you know, air rushing at super just, thin, cold fly, air. Does not mean you can breathe. Exactly. <laughs> so you really just need an Iron Man suit. Is what you're saying. Um, Practical. Sort now, just a breather keep and warm, something keep to keep me warm. Yeah. 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 Maybe maybe something to squeeze on me when I'm experiencing high what? G's. Okay, <laughs> like the like the like the fighter pilots have. Yes, yeah. so you've 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 defined Iron Man suit perfectly. Well done. No, except black. He didn't have any squeezers <laughs> in his Iron Man suit, did he? He must have. He must have. Yeah. Okay. Kyle, I don't know what the costume would look like, but it would definitely be flying. That's the best power ever. But hang on, I got to share a story about this. Okay, right. so worked at Fred Meyer's long time ago, cart guy. All the other uh, little cart guys were walking around with me, and we were talking about superpowers, what we would have. So I was like, oh, definitely flying. People are like, you know, shooting fire, blah, blah, blah. And this one guy's thinking about it for a really long time. We're like, okay, what kind of superpower would you have? He's like, okay, if I was a superhero, I would want a hook on my arm, and I'd shoot the hook out, and I'd get more carts. And I was like, looking at him like, dude, why don't you just have a superpower like money comes out of your mouth, and you can give it all to Fred Meyer. Instead, he just wants to be able to do his job better. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, for my superpower, I'd like to be able to work a 10 key twice as fast as I already can. <laughs> Amy, what about you? So, um, one day at Joanne's when we were bored, uh, we created a superhero for one of my coworkers at the time. Do you have a picture in your book? I don't have a picture in the book, but I have a little bit of a description in the book Ooh, read of uh, what she was like. Uh, the superhero's name is Sparkle. <laughs> so that kind of gives you an indication of what this superhero is. Is she a vampire? No. Um, she fights giant robots. Sweet. 
that try and eat buildings. <laughs> so she's a Powerpuff girl. Kind of, yes. Yes. Um, Sweet. But using her superpowers, she leaves a trail of glitter, which is the unfortunate consequence of being a superhero is that she leaves There's a trail always of a downside. Yes. Um, she flies <laughs> and has super speed. She, during the day in her non- Sparkle personality always has like sparkles and rhinestones and she's not really trying to hide her. Yeah, no, she she doesn't really try and hide her superhero ness. Does she do a lot of e? (laughs) (laughs) She wears a lot of black and pink and has pink converse. Pink converse. Pink converse. Converse are a great choice for superheroes. Yeah, pink sparkly converse. So wow. does Sparkle have an arch nemesis, or is it just robots that grit? We, we goth just, man. We just got as far as <laughs> there were robots. Who I was too all color. <laughs> I think his name is Grit, and he's a, a Grit, giant. the robot who eats the buildings. giant robot. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. I, I am wrapping this show up. <laughs> Holy smokes, that was out of control. Uh, you guys can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash TNS podcast. You can also send us funny, interesting, and random questions at TNS podcast at gmail.com. We're going to close it out with a dubstep song. Actually, it's a compilation of three dubstep songs. It's by a guy named Ephyxia, something like that. <laughs> He's Canadian, and I'm going to let him slide on that because he makes amazing Zelda dubstep. So I've got three <laughs> songs all based off of the Ocarina of Time. And uh, you can buy the full album on his website for four dollars Canadian, which is like thirty-eight cents. Uh, and so you can have all- actually their money is worth more than I. Oh, don't yeah. burst my bubble. So <laughs> if you like Zelda and dubstep, throw him some Canadian dollars. Also, in two weeks when we have the next show, I have a surprise announcement. I think not even Melissa knows. In fact, I'm the only person. Are you pregnant? (laughs) (laughs) So in two weeks, be ready for some nonsense. Are you are you becoming a Mormon? You're gonna ask someone else to marry you. Do you have bird flu? (laughs) (laughs) All of these questions. Oh, Melissa is so sad. (laughs) All this and more. (laughs) So yeah, stay tuned for next week's show. We'll catch you then. Bye.